us in Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 25. And then I'm going to pray. So let's look to verse 5 in Matthew chapter 10. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if, if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles." When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and the children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they, had call, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for Your grace this morning to help us to understand Your Word. Would You enable me and help me to communicate it as clearly as possible? And for those that are listening, would You help them to be able to listen with pure hearts and open ears? For those, Father, who are weary, would this message be a message of encouragement? For those who are backsliding, 
and disobedient children, would you convict them and lead them to repentance? And for those who do not know you yet, would you cause them to see? Would you soften their stony heart? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't heard recently, there's a cultural war going on. Do you know about that? It's kind of, if you watch the news, obvious, isn't it? There's a lot of talk recently about culture. Culture this, culture that. And, and of course, culture impacts who we are, doesn't it? Look, we have an American culture, don't we? But within that American culture, we have a Wisconsin culture. <laughs> for better, for worse. Within that culture of Wisconsin, we have a Fox Valley culture. Within that, we have an Appleton, Grand Chute, Freedom, Nina, Greenville culture. Within that, we have family cultures. Within that, we have a church culture. This past week, as I was reading through the, the book of, of Matthew, what, I, what I've done is I've tried to make it a habit of reading through the whole book in four months. Thirty times in four months. And so what I do is I divide, I take the book, 28 chapters, divide it by four, it's easy, seven chapters a day, for one month, for four months, I would have read through the book of Matthew 30 times. I'm in the back half, chapters 22 through 28 for this month. One thing I started to realize this month is that what Jesus has been doing in the book of Matthew and what we've seen from chapter 1 to where we currently are right now is Jesus is coming and has come to establish the kingdom and he's explaining the kingdom culture. And so from here on out, if you hear that phrase kingdom culture, this isn't some type of wacky theology of if we just pray really hard, then we can have heaven on earth, if we just pray real hard, then every sickness and disease will go away. And if you don't pray hard enough, then, and you don't receive that, then there must be something wrong with your faith. That's not the type of kingdom culture that I'm talking about that some churches abuse. The kingdom culture I'm talking about is what we're seeing and what we have seen in the book of Matthew. It's that Jesus has come to establish the kingdom, to explain the kingdom, and to show people how to live as if they are citizens of the kingdom. This is why at the very beginning we see him proclaiming a kingdom of repentance and baptism. Repent from the current culture that you're in and turn to the kingdom of God. Become a citizen of the kingdom. And up to this point, this is what we've seen Jesus do again and again. Explain the kingdom, teach the kingdom, proclaim the kingdom, and show the disciples what it looks like to live in the kingdom by doing acts of mercy to those around him. And now what we're seeing as we're coming to 
chapter 10, verse 5, is Jesus is instructing. This is a, another sermon that Jesus is giving His disciples. And He's commissioning them and sending the twelve out now to go and do what He was just doing. Proclaim the Word and show acts of mercy. This is Word and deed ministry. But what's interesting in here is that Jesus tells them, go to those who are worthy. And if those who are not worthy don't receive you, or, or those who are not worthy, leave. Isn't it interesting that Jesus would say, go to those who are worthy and not worthy, when we've been talking about how Jesus goes to the outcasts? Maybe we have this wrong idea of what worthy and unworthy are. And to those who are unworthy, Jesus tells them, shake off your feet or, or uh, shake out your feet, do a little dance, get the dust out, and move on. And then we see as Jesus is telling them the reality of what's to come through their mission. That persecution is real. That persecution takes place. But those who endure to the end will be saved. What a great promise that is right there. And as if Jesus is already anticipating the question, why are we going to get persecuted? He tells them because no student is above their teacher and no servant above their master. I'm going to do something I don't normally do, and this might make you feel awkward, and if that's the case, that's okay. If, if you claim to be a disciple of Christ, can you just raise your hand real quick? And if you're not, that's fine. You don't have to try to fake it. Okay, so you, you saw the hands go up. Here's the aim of this message today. Disciples have been commissioned to be like their teacher. Disciples have been commissioned to be like their teacher. And we're going to see this three ways this morning. Our first point, verses 5 through 10, we're going to see what it's like to be a missional doer. Jesus is commissioning his disciples. He's He's telling them to, to go out into the mission field. The, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. And he's sending the workers out now. He's commissioning them. And He's showing them what it's like to do the mission. He's telling them what it's like to do the mission. Verses 11-15 through 15 in our second point, we'll see where they are to be. Who they go to. We see them being missional. Where they're at. The third point, verses 16 through 25, we see the reality of the mission. Oftentimes we get this fanciful reality or idea of what missions is actually like. But Jesus is rooting them in reality of what to expect. So let's look at the first five verses here, verses 5 through 10. We see what it's like to do the, the mission that Jesus is calling them to. 
We're, we're starting the missional sermon that Jesus is instructing his disciples. And he began to, or uh, he looks at the 12 and he sends them out. And he starts to instruct them. And he tells them, go, go. This might make us think of the end of Matthew chapter 8 or chapter 28, when Jesus is telling his disciples, go therefore to the nations. But here's, here's the reality of what Jesus is telling them here. He says, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. Well, that's pretty in- interesting that Jesus would tell them not to go to the Gentiles or Samaritans. But Jesus says, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Israel was the the chosen people of God. They were the people who experienced the promise and blessing of the covenants of God. And so Jesus is telling them, go and remind them of these covenants. Go and remind them of the blessing and the purpose of them. Not to mention that we saw last week as Jesus is looking out over the house of Israel and He sees them as helpless and harassed sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is telling the disciples, go to the helpless and harassed Israel. Their shepherds have left them. They're abusing them. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. Go to your hometowns, your own people. But do what? What does Jesus tell them to do? He tells them to proclaim. Proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hang hang on, wait a second. Didn't we just see this last week? Haven't we been seeing Jesus continuing to model this in His ministry? Uh, a, A few weeks ago, as Andrew Belcher was preaching here, uh, at the beginning of 18, he, he explained to you guys that, that Jesus, that Matthew puts this in, in here, these verses, before all of this, to model what Jesus was to preach to his disciples. And then last week, we, we saw at the beginning of verse 35 of chapter 9, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus is telling His disciples, you have seen Me model this ministry, now I'm sending you out to do the same. To proclaim the kingdom of heaven. So what is the kingdom of heaven? This is an important message, isn't it? If we're seeing Jesus proclaim and teach this message, and He's encouraging and telling His disciples, go and proclaim this message, then What is it? Well, it's that the king has come. In Genesis, we see one of the most tragic realities take place. As Adam and Eve sin and they eat of the fruit that they were told not to eat and they were separated from God, stained with sin, and as that sin is passed down from person to person, generation to generation, Jesus comes on the scene and says, the king has come to reconcile those who are enemies back to the king. God had a plan before Adam and Eve sinned to send a good and loving son 
to save those who are His enemies. The King has come back and the King now is proclaiming a a message of reconciliation and hope to those who have strayed. He's bringing the sheep back into the pen. He's calling them and He knows His sheep by name and He does this because Scripture tells us that He loved us. And so the king is proclaiming this message, but this message is also a warning that those who don't repent and enter into the kingdom will experience the wrath of the king. The wrath is coming and the king is out proclaiming the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, warning those and and pleading with those to enter into his kingdom before it's too late. And so now Jesus is commissioning and sending His disciples to proclaim the kingdom of heaven, saying, the King is here. Repent. Enter into the kingdom. And is this not what we are still told to do to this day? As now we see Jesus' full life. That the King was to be the suffering servant. The sacrificial Lamb who bore the sin of the world. And for those who put their trust in His free gift can be reconciled to the King and enter into His kingdom. The Apostle Paul tells us, how will they believe if they do not hear? Still to this day in the 21st century, as Jesus is commissioning His disciples out in the first century, we are to proclaim the kingdom of heaven just like the disciples were to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. But it does not stop there as we continue to read and Jesus says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. And so Jesus is commissioning them with the uh, authority, this authority to do these miraculous things to to be merciful, to show compassion and mercy. And we talked about this a little bit last week, asking why don't we have this now? There's the argument of the cessationists that that the gifts of the Spirit like this have ceased and the continuationist, which is that the gifts of the Spirit continue to go. And my answer to you is probably unsatisfactory. And it was both are still going on. There are people who are healed. There are miraculous things that take place. People have demons cast out of them. And yet, if we had the apostolic gifts like this, hospitals would be empty. And there would be no one that was sick. And I think we see a little bit more of not just these miraculous gifts that we come to this passage and we far too often go to because that's the cool theological conversation to have today, but I think we see more of in here who Jesus is telling the disciples to go to. Don't we? Look at this. The sick are the outcasts that people wouldn't go to and care for. The dead are those who are forgotten without hope, on the fringe of society. The lepers are those who are unclean, that nobody wanted to go to and touch. They were dirty. 
The spiritually oppressed were those who were living in deep sinful lives. And this is who Jesus is telling to to go and do acts of mercy to. The outcast, the despised and forgotten, the unclean and dirty, those who are living in such sinful lives that we can't help but blush when we talk about it. And so we see Jesus encouraging His disciples to the same ministry that He Himself was living. One of word of proclamation. And one of acts of mercy and kindness. This is how Jesus taught His his disciples to do ministry. To think missionally when it comes to what we are to do. This can be hard. This can be scary. Because oftentimes we are calculated in who we serve. And oftentimes we don't even realize that our hearts are asking or probing us that in that way. Can I receive something from them? What do they have to offer to this body, to my life, to society as a whole? And yet when Jesus tells them to go and He commissions them on their mission to the lost sheep of Israel, as He's telling them to go to the outcast, the despised, the forgotten, the dirty, the sinful, He says, don't expect anything in return. You received without paying. Give without pay." I can't help but just think of the realities of the Gospel right there. You received without pay. Child of God, you received the free gift of salvation without pay. We believe that our salvation is by faith alone, not by any good work that you offered up to God. And so Jesus, while He's commissioning His disciples, He's saying, you receive without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff for the laborer deserves his food. Jesus is encouraging them to a radical trust in His provision, in God's provision for them. He's encouraging them not to be like the Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious leaders of the day that would have went to those people as long as there was something in it for them. Isn't it a shame that we see that in churches today? As they think through what type of things we can do to get the most people to come to our churches only with the motivation To just say we just want a big church. But oftentimes in smaller churches, the temptation is to ask the question, okay, if we're to do this ministry, this mission in word by proclaiming the kingdom in deed and showing acts of mercy, the question can often be, well, isn't that just the pastor's job? 
Isn't it just the paid professionals? What type of programs are you implementing for us to do this? Can't I just give and wipe my clean, my hands clean of having to do anything? And the answer is no. I've said this before from the pulpit. You ask me, what is our strategy to reach the Fox Valley? And I've said before, and I'll say again, our strategy is you. It's equipping the saints to do the ministry. Yes, that means that there will be some things that we do. There will be some outreaches and there will be classes to give to help us learn about who the King is and what the kingdom is like. And there will be opportunities to to come together as a whole body to, to do outreaches locally for our neighborhood. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we want to equip you to carry out the ministry that God has for your life. And oftentimes, out of fear of believing that I'm just not equipped enough to do it. Or out of laziness of not taking the mission of God serious and seeing people in dire need of hearing the kingdom. We don't do it. What do you think our neighborhoods could look like? If all we started to do was just go around and pray, say every single day I'm going to go for a 10-minute walk around my neighborhood and just pray that God would somehow allow me an opportunity to love one of my neighbors. To serve them. To proclaim the Gospel to them. What would it look like if We did that here in this neighborhood. Serving and being on mission by proclaiming God's kingdom and showing acts of mercy. Which leads us to our second point in verses 11 through 15. Where do we go? Who is the mission for? Where am I to be on mission? If Jesus is commissioning His disciples to the lost sheep of Israel, what about me? Who do I go to? And and this, I'll be honest with you, this section has made me uncomfortable at times reading through it. What do you mean, Jesus, there are those who are worthy and those that are not worthy? This is an unsettling thing to realize. Let's look at verse 11. And whatever town or village you come or enter, where, do we be, where, where are we to be on mission? Whatever town or village we enter, wherever you live, wherever you are at that current time, that is where you are to be on mission. Whether it's overseas and south or, or overseas across the pond or South America, Or Canada, you are to be on mission in whatever town or village you enter. I 
And as you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. So there are those who are worthy and unworthy, but how do we know who those who are worthy are and those who are not worthy? Well, Jesus tells us, and if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words. This is a hard reality for us to grasp. Quite frankly, if I'm being honest, I don't like this part of Scripture. But what Jesus is saying is those who receive you, who will receive your acts of mercy, who will receive your words, who will listen to you, those are the people who are worthy. Who receive you into their house and are willing to sit down and listen to you. Who receive you into their lives and say, let's go get a cup of coffee and speak more about this. Those are the people that our peace is to come on. Which means that those who are not worthy are those who are not willing to receive what we have to offer, who will not listen to what we have to say. Look at here. Jesus goes on to tell them, shake off the dust from your feet. If this is the case, if people won't receive you or listen to you, shake off the dust from your feet and leave that house or town. This was a physical symbol of I tried. I did what, was I, what I was supposed to do. My conscience is clean. I came in love and I tried to do acts of mercy. I tried proclaiming the kingdom of God and you would not receive it and you would not listen. And because of that, I'm doing a physical sign. My conscience is clean. And Jesus says, truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Why is it so hard to cut off relationships when it need be? Isn't it harsh to move on? Jesus doesn't think so. In our pride. In our pride. When there are those who will not receive us, and there are those who do not listen to the proclamation of the kingdom of God, in our pride, when we stay in those relationships and do not shake off the dust from our feet, And we continue to go time and time again in our pride. What we are believing is that somehow, some way, we are their Messiah and can save them at some point. And what Jesus is saying is you are not the judge over them. I am the judge over them. Now that doesn't mean that you don't continue to pray for those people and intercede for those people but it may mean that it is time to shake off the dust from your feet and carry on. Trusting 
that God's plan is better and He is wiser in what He is doing. There may be some people right now who are continuing to not receive you and not listen to you and you're continuing to go back because you think it is your job to continue to go back when Jesus is saying here to His disciples, move on. Church, if we can say we've tried with a pure conscience, let me relieve you of your duty to continue to go back to those who are unworthy, who are not receiving and listening. You are relieved of that if you have tried. Move on. Who are the people that you are going to? Have you taken inventory and asked the question, are they worthy, are they receiving and listening, or are they unworthy and not receiving and listening? Church, do we look at our place of living, our town, our village, our city, as the place that Jesus is calling us to be on mission for? Do you see your work as that mission field? Do you see the place you pump your gas at? The store you go to? the baristas you interact with. Our missional being for this part of our life is right here. Right now. We've been commissioned to the Fox Valley. But there is a missional reality that comes with this, and this leads us to our third and final point in verses 16 through 25. Before Jesus brings forth this missional reality, he, he encourages them as He's sending them out. He says, I'm sending you out like three animals. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That doesn't sound very promising. I don't know about you. I've never been a better. But if there is a sheep going out in the midst of wolves, I don't think the sheep would probably make it very long. <laughs> I'm sending you out as sheep amongst the wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. There it is. He's telling us to be like sheep, to be like serpents, and to be like doves. I'm right now, imagining what that would look like, and that would be one just strange animal. One of the kids, if you want to draw what that looks like, please do. Lucy, a sheep, a snake, and a dove. Can you draw that for me? Okay. I want to see it after church. Jesus is calling us to, to be, as He's calling His disciples, a, a sheep, a serpent, and a dove. What does this mean? Well, it means, ironically, that we are to go out and be foolish. He's sending us into foolish areas, dangerous areas. We are to, to go out as sheep in the midst of wolves. He's warning us. But while we go out and while we are sent out, we are to be as wise as serpents. We are to use discernment and wisdom. 
and we are to be as innocent as doves. Our character is to be above reproach. Why? Okay, because he's, he's telling us this missional reality, right? So be like sheep, be like a serpent, be like a dove. Why? Because beware of men, for they will deliver you over in courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them, uh, before the Gentiles. Now here Jesus is transitioning a bit to local mission to now global national mission. Because as you're being dragged before the governors, before the kings, before the Gentiles, you will bear witness to them. Through our persecution, Jesus is saying, through your persecution, disciples, you will bear witness about me. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. So you will be delivered over. And it will be scary. But do not fear, for I will give you what to say. Speak on your behalf, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Is this not immense encouragement? That Jesus gives His disciples and He gives us this promise as well, that there will be one on our behalf, that will speak for us when this is taking place? When this type of persecution of being delivered over, and we don't know what to say, and we are flustered as the disciples were flustered at times? That He speaks on their behalf. This is the, the missional reality that Jesus is speaking of, is that the mission is a dangerous mission, and it will be dangerous. And it will only continue to get more dangerous. But I will speak for you on your behalf. This is the reality that, that the governors and kings and Gentiles will come to persecute the disciples. And this is what we see disciple after disciple. We see it with Paul. We see it with Peter. We see it with John. That all of these apostles were persecuted. That they were handed over. That they were also delivered up. And they bore testimony for the sake of the kingdom. But it's not just the outside. It's not just the kings and the governors and the Gentiles. For Jesus says the seriousness of the missional reality that's before you is that brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. This is the reality. is that not just the governors and the, the world will persecute you, but your own family will persecute you. By taking the kingdom culture serious, by picking up your cross and following Christ daily, your own family will look at you with contempt, with anger, even willing to deliver you over to death. And so Jesus gives us a summary, a reminder. He gives His disciples this, and you will be hated by all for My name's sake. 
That is the reality of the mission. As we do not fight against flesh and blood, but the spiritual realm, there is a spiritual battle that is taking place. The enemies of God do not like the children of God. And Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy all he can by any means necessary. But look at this great promise that in the midst of all of this, I mean, let's just face it, this is just seems like bad news that he's giving the disciples. He tells them, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Praise God! Praise God that the persecution will not be wasted. That everything that happens to disciples, to us in this time, will not be wasted. Uh, recently, Sharice uh, and I, we, we have a, a, what we call a popcorn movie night that slowly turned into not eating popcorn, but just watching a movie. And we have it with Haddon. We're trying to just establish it as this thing that we do with our, our children. And, and recently, last, last week, uh, as we were looking for a movie to watch, Haddon saw The Pilgrim's Progress. It's on Amazon Prime. It's for free to watch if you have Amazon Prime. So I guess it's not free, but it is free if you have Amazon Prime. They make you feel like it's free. And in the movie, The Pilgrim's Progress, is, if you don't know, it was a book written by John Bunyan. The, and, and in this story is the main character called Christian who receives a heavy burden. He finds out that there is a war coming and the city he lives in will be destroyed. And so Christian finds out that there's the celestial city, the, the light city, the, the kingdom of lights. And as we're watching this with Haddon, I'm leaning over trying to explain certain things to him and he's just kind of like, oh, that rock guy is cool. And I'm like, no, buddy, that's legality. We don't want to go to legality. And as we finished watching it, the next week he starts talking about going to heaven. We talk about going to heaven and he said, yeah, but it's a long walk, Dad. It is a long walk. And in, in the, the movie, Christian is constantly faced with temptation. He's faced with persecution. He's faced with being put into the dungeon of despair. It is a long journey to the celestial kingdom. And persecution will come. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. If you're in here this morning and you are weak and weary, if you're in here this morning and you've thought to yourself, I just should give this up, keep enduring, keep walking, keep going, because the one who endures to the end will be saved and will enter into the beautiful celestial kingdom and hug the Good Shepherd, and the Good Shepherd will say, I told you so. I told you you would be saved if you endured. Keep enduring, Christian. Keep going. Because the reality is, as Jesus finishes this section, or as we finish this section of His message, He says, when they persecute you, it's not if they persecute you, but when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next 
For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And why will they persecute you, disciples? Because a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher. Is it enough for you to be like your teacher? And the servant like his master, if they've called the master the house of Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of the household? The disciples are going to receive persecution and the church receives persecution to this day because those who are enemies of Christ hate Christ. And the prince of this world does not want Christ's kingdom to be expanded. And yet, this is the kingdom that we have called to proclaim about and to do with acts of mercy. Disciple of Christ, are you like your teacher by living on mission where you are at at this point in your life? Proclaiming the kingdom of heaven and doing acts of mercy to the outcast, the forgotten, the dirty, the sinful. As I close up here, can I just encourage us one last time? We are like our teacher because the Spirit is constantly transforming us to be like Him. Keep enduring. Keep going. We are to do the mission before us by proclaiming the Word and showing acts of mercy. We are to do it where we are at right now and we are to do it with a sobering reality that it will be hard, but that we will not do it alone. Let's pray. Father, would you help us to carry out this mission that you've commissioned to your disciples and that, and that you then commissioned to us through the Great Commission. Please let us not take this mission lightly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.